Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and I want to welcome you to the Game Changers podcast hosted by Michelle Dutrell. I personally cannot speak more highly of the value of mentorship, and this podcast will bring you some of the best. If you want some inspiration back with strategy of how to make your vision a reality, stay tuned and prepare to ignite. Welcome everybody to this week's Game Changer podcast. As you know, we are knee-deep into our spring cleaning series, getting rid of everything in your life that does not belong. And this episode is absolutely no exception. I'm thrilled to bring you another fellow podcaster. He has actually been at this game for a couple of years. And for those of you that have followed my podcast for any amount of time, at least the Thursday shows, you know where I highlight every last thing that goes wrong, which is a whole lot of things uh, frequently. So somebody who has been at this for a long time uh, has my deepest respect. So uh, that aside, he has my deepest respect for a lot of other reasons as well, which we're going to get into in this conversation. This is Paul Coliani, and I am thrilled to share his story with you because it really is one of, you know, kind of having some hard knocks and some very big relationship challenges that if any of us have been on the planet for, I don't know, at least eight years, we've, uh, we've certainly struggled past the playground romances of things not going our way into long-term relationships and marriages that uh, sometimes can go awry. And he's got all that and then some. And what is so impressive is that not only has he found his way through all this, but is really doing such a phenomenal job in sharing his journey and his story with so many others to be able to help them, one, know they're not alone, and two, a way out of it. So we are getting ready to dive into his story and his words of wisdom. With that, Paul, is there anything that I left out that you would like us to know? Wow, that was the smoothest intro ever. <laughs> <How about that? laughs> no, <laughs> anything you left out? No, I am honored to be here and to have an introduction like that. When you when you give me the deepest respect for being a podcaster, I mean, I give you deep respect for diving into this broadcasting world and and putting a message out there. and And I love the idea of uh, spring cleaning because you know I see myself as I, I never thought of spring cleaning in this way, but I guess the, the emotional spring cleaner <laughs> or something like that. So thank you for that introduction. And now I'm ready to go. Oh, perfect. So let's dive right in. Obviously, I've danced around a bit of your story. And for those folks that haven't been on your website yet, and we're going to get to that so they have every chance to do so, why don't you take people back to sort of the first uh, heartbreak that you had and the first uh, setback up until where we are now. And then we're going to talk through the steps of really specifically how you have gotten out of it. But I'd love for people to have the backdrop of what's sort of gone on in your life that has taken you to the work you're doing now. Wow. The, the very first heartbreak, like when I was an infant? <laughs> well, like I said, I think if you've been on the planet for at least eight years, so we can go back to the school ground, but I know you've got a couple on your, uh, on your website that are really pretty significant, and I think ones that every one of us can relate to. So at least go back to those two. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I will just um, note that when I was one, you know, my father left the family and the alcoholic stepped in as the stepfather. So my first heartbreak, in a sense, was that um, dysfunctional family environment that was created. And the reason I mentioned that is because 
that pretty much led to other heartbreaks in an intimate way in my relationships later on because I developed so many dysfunctional habits and beliefs about the world. So in my first 13 year relationship, I was, I was, I've been called a chameleon where I've not really shown my true self. I've repressed anger, I've repressed negativity. I was kind of the peacemaker in the relationship and I was always trying to make sure people were happy. So, you know, I would make sure my girlfriend you know, wasn't upset and I would do everything I can to make sure she never got upset. And of course, by doing that, I wasn't tr showing her my true emotions. And she didn't even know what was going wrong with the relationship. So about 11 years into, the, into that relationship, uh, she just started falling out of love with me. And even after, well, I won't get that far yet, but and she didn't know why. She didn't know why she was falling out of love with me. And, and the last year or two of the relationship, the intimacy was just gone. And one night in bed, I was like, what's wrong? And I finally, I finally had the guts to address it what's wrong? And she's like, there's nothing wrong. And I was like, no, there's something wrong. You lay in bed the same night, every, I mean, the same time, the same way, night after night. Uh, and you know, I would, I would explain these patterns that she had. And I said, there's something wrong because this isn't changing. And she goes, well, I said, do you love me anymore? And she's like, not the way I should. And you know, that opened the door for the first big heartbreak of my life. And like the next day she was moving out. <laughs> I was like, Whoa, what's wow. happening? It was, it was like night, like night and day. It was just like the next day she was gone. And I had repressed so much. I mean, repressed so much anger and negativity and sadness throughout my life, not only in my family, but when it, when I had this first breakup or not my first, that was my first major breakup in my life. I, I suddenly fell into a depression because what do you do with repressed emotions? You keep stuffing them down, stuffing them down. And as you repress, they get more depressed. And that's in my world that created depression in a lot of people's world. That's what happens. So as soon as she left, that set me into a, a downward spiral of depression. And uh, about, the, about six months went by and still depressed, I was thinking, okay, I think I'm ready for another relationship. <laughs> Mind you, I was still depressed. Right. So, it's funny how that is that, you know, that'll solve everything. I'll just find someone new. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I was looking for that replacement variable. Right. Right. <laughs> to get happy again, because mm -hmm. of course, it's so healthy to depend on your happiness from other people. Oh, anything <laughs> external, right? Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's I'm it. I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> oh, so am I, so am I. Okay, good, yep. good, good. Hopefully people got that with us. <laughs> right, right, right. Yep. So, so I went on, I went to online dating and I did it for about a month and I found someone that I was just resonating with. And I was like, oh, she's gonna make me happy. And you know, I'm looking at this in hindsight, of course. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, she was 3,000 miles away. She was in California. I was like, I don't know about this, but we'll see. Okay, wait, what are you doing looking at online dating? Don't you have like a perimeter of 25 <laughs> miles away, 50 miles away? Or right. did you set it to the world in general? Well, I'm glad you asked that because there is a backstory behind that. When, uh -huh. I, first, when I first went online, I did set it for 25 miles or 50 miles or even 100 miles. 
And day after day after day, no matches. Day after day after day, I was like, what? I'm in Florida. There's got to be a ton of people around here. And so I was like, okay, what if I just said it for the whole state? And nothing. Day after day, I was like, all right, fine. The whole East Coast, nothing. Day after day, fine. The entire U.S., someone has to be out there for There's got to be a match for me. Wow. Still nothing. Okay, it makes me want to go back and look at your profile. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought that's what it was. And then I, and then I contacted the company. It was eHarmony. And I was like, I contacted them and they said, oh, there's a glitch. Oh. Uh, you should start getting matches now. Oh. I was like, oh, all this time? Wow. <laughs> Well, that could be a whole segment on like really overcoming rejection because that's its yeah. own form, right? Every day checking and nothing upon yeah, nothing. No one's, no one's compatible with me. Right? And they, they weren't matching me up and no one was reaching out to me. I was like, oh, geez. Wow. Way to so, stick to it though. Okay, keep going. I'm impressed. Well, you know, I, I, I had to contact them saying, is it me? Right. Have you ever <laughs> like seen this, this before? Is there like not a sing There's really not a lid for this pot? What are we talking about? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, so they said, okay, we fixed it. And the next day I had like 15 matches. I was like, oh, finally. And, and I still had it set on the, U, on the entire ah. U.S. So I was like, oh, I'll just leave it and see what happens. And so eventually that, that's when my, the next person in my life appeared. Mm -hmm. We started communicating and everything was great. You know, we were con connecting with each other. And a month later, um, she flew down and we met. And it, it was great. It was just like, wow. So Sparks were there. And um, a few months later, I decided, okay, I'm going to move to California. And this would be the person that would become my wife. Problem was, I was still depressed. Hmm. I didn't know she was going to become my wife, but this eventually became my wife. But uh, uh, taking a step back, um, about two months into our relationship, she was staying with me and because I was still depressed, you, she could tell there were things, there was something up with me. I wasn't uh, everything that she was hoping. And she's this high energy, happy girl with this, Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I was just kind of down. Right. Right. Hanging out with Eeyore a little bit. <laughs> yes, it's like kind of like Tigger and Eeyore. Yeah. Yeah. I was pulling out um, from the farthest depths of my body or inside my soul, trying to pull out some happiness right. and some positivity. And it right. was hard. Yeah. It was very hard. So um, the newness of the relationship helped, but it was like, oh, pulling that out. So she realized this and she's like, I just don't know if I want to be around someone who is this depressed all the time. And I was like, what? What are you saying? Are you, are you saying you're going to leave? She goes, well, for now I'm going to leave. Yes. Cause I don't want to be around this. And something triggered inside of me and something uh, said, all right, my relationships keep ending. What's going on? And I realized that this was another relationship that was going to end. And suddenly I burst into tears and I was like, oh my God, wow, this can't end. And then connecting with that deep emotional part of me have after having not being connected after being depressed for you know several months having to connect with that again also connected me with some uh, uh, some hatred mm. and anger that i had inside of me from a long time ago when my step when i lived with my stepfather who was an alcoholic and abusive not so much towards me but towards several mem members of the family and 
uh, in ways towards me as well. As all this anger and hatred came out about him. Wow. I was like, whoa. And I just collapsed on the floor. I was crying my eyes out. And for the first time in 35, something like years, uh, it was, it was the deepest emotional connection I've ever had with myself because I'd repressed for so long. And, and that was my first step into something, uh, into healing, into something better, into something authentic, instead of being this chameleon or this fake person that I was showing the world. And that, from that point on, changed my life. And uh, do we have a happy ending to this uh, second <laughs> one? Because I think if I read correctly, not quite so much. Well... <laughs> not, not to be the bearer of bad news, but because, uh, you know, truly your, your whole story, because it is your whole story, is really quite remarkable, whether yeah. it's your perseverance, your sticking to learning and growing and where you are now, I think is significant because well, I don't think yeah. we should stop there, should we? Well, I didn't want to be a time hoarder, so no, I was no, just... <laughs> no. I will, I, I'm gonna well, I'm gonna hit the the rotation of questions here once you let everybody okay, know where this relationship went. Where's the rest of the backstory? Right. Here's, how did so? Yeah. How's how's this? Uh, how did that end? And did it truly yeah. end, or what happened? Yep. So, like I said, she eventually became my wife. So, mm -hmm. what that meant is that was my first moment of healing. This was me connecting with a part of myself that I didn't even know about. I didn't even have, I didn't know I had hatred inside of me. You're not supposed to hate. That's what I felt. Right. You're not supposed to hate because we're told you shouldn't hate people. That's right. Be nice. And, right. Be yeah, nice. Be nice. Deny your real feelings. Yes. So that, that's what I did for so long. Just deny, deny. And when that came out, I was like, what? I hate my stuff. I thought I loved my stepfather, even though it was a dysfunctional love. I didn't know it back then. But I was like, wait a minute. And I had to... My brain was contorted for uh, for many days after that, trying to figure out what this meant and to come to an admission of something that I didn't even know was in there and to say that I do hate him. Uh, it released uh, a lot of years of repressed anger towards him. And when that happened, it freed me. Right. It was like there, it was like there was an emotional energy inside me that was had been blocked for so long. And when that when that happened, it freed me, and in in a, it freed me in a way where I could connect with myself a bit more authentically and be a little bit less depressed, and that felt good. In fact, it felt damn good. I was like, "Wow!" So all I have to do is be real, be vulnerable, let my pain come out, express what's going on inside of me. And, you know, my internal voice is like, yes, do that. I was like, that's scary. I don't know what's going to happen. So I started doing that. And uh, the, the woman that would become my wife, she, would, she was supporting me with that. She was like, yes, this is good. And she taught me a lot throughout the next several months about how to express yourself. And, you know, I remember one of the things that happened was I was playing uh, music really loud on the TV and she was in the next room and she was like, she yelled something and I turned the music up and then she comes in the room and she looks at me and she's like upset. And I was like, whoa, what happened? So I turned the music down and she goes, what? I'm very upset. I'm very angry that when I told you to turn the music down, you turned it up. And I was like, 
whoa, I, I didn't even hear you. I didn't even know that you said that. And uh, I said, thank you for telling me that. But it, it, what that moment taught me was that it's okay to stand up and express yourself. Because I've never had somebody just come in the, you know, come up to me and say, what you did offended me or what you did angered me. And it was like the first time somebody was authentic like that. Instead right. of saying, what the hell is your problem? I tell you to turn it down and you turn it up. She didn't come from that place. She came over and said, what you did upset me. Right. This is like, how that made me feel. Exactly. And then it's a conversation. Exactly. And yeah. that was new to me. Hmm. Like I, I'd never done that and I'd never had somebody do that to me. And I was like, wow, a, a whole nother way of communicating, <laughs> just expressing what's going on inside of you, right. not pointing the finger like I'm a or something. Right. Just, just, and it was just amazing. So I was like, thank you so much for that. And I learned a lot on how to communicate. You know, 90% of what I learned was from that relationship on how to get beyond repressing my thoughts and anger and things like that. So, yes, eventually uh, my, my healing uh, was more and more. It took about two years to express, 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 you know, those layers of the emotional onion, peeling back, peeling back, trying to figure out or just letting repressed thoughts, repressed negativity, negative emotions come up over the next two years to finally get over any hint, any glimmer of depression that I used to have. Because if you've ever been depressed, you know what it feels like. And you start, and if you start to slip back into it, you know you're doing it. Yeah. It's, it's just it's like an internal yucky, numb, you don't want it. Right. So it's and I made a promise with myself as soon as I got out of that I said I promise or I commit to myself that I will never go in that place again and I'll you know never. you bring up such a key thing here that I want us to stop on because I think sure. it's a, a place that people get stuck or don't understand or can't seem to wrap their head around and that's that accepting what is showing up accepting what is whether that's hatred or anger or jealousy or envy, any one of uh, any set of negative emotions that, that yeah. does show up, right? That there's something in us that says, if, if we just simply accept what is, well, this is showing up in me today, and what about this, and why am I feeling this way, that somehow accepting that for what it is makes us a bad person. Or we start to judge ourselves. I, again, it goes back to, you need to be nice. You shouldn't feel this and you shouldn't feel that. And then we go back to the repressed feelings and then the cycle continues to go and it drives deeper and then there's more triggers. And so I'd love for you to speak to, from your perspective, what it is when things show up that are these negative reflections of things, like you said, you didn't even realize they were there. And just sitting with them and accepting, wow, this is actually in me. This is really how I feel, that that's not a bad thing. In fact, quite the contrary, that's a huge step in moving in the right direction to healing and being through it. Yeah. And you said it so eloquently, uh, sitting with it and accepting it. One of the most important things that I've learned over the years is that when an emotion, a thought, a feeling uh, rises up in you, the first thing that we tend to do when we don't like it is resist it. Right. Like, I don't want to hate. That was the first thing that happened to me. I don't want to be a person that hates. I'm capable of hating. That's like saying I'm capable of killing someone. Right. I'm capable of all kinds of bad things. 
then we see ourselves as a bad person, like you said. Yep. So what I've learned, and I just tried this on one day, I like to say, try it on. I tried it on. I was like, what would happen if I didn't resist hating? I was like, what? And uh, so I did. I was like, okay, I hate my stepfather. I admit it and I'm proud of it and I own it and I'm going to go with it. And what that did was release the resistance to hating, which released the emotional energy of hating, which allowed me to love from a different place. It, It really is a process of once you let go of the resistance to what you don't want in your life, then all the emotional, what I call what I call the emotional energy, all of the emotional energy behind it, or that is the foundation of it disappears. And when there's no emotional energy building it up and creating those negative feelings in your body and negative thoughts, when all that is gone, you don't even have to think about it anymore. It just goes away. Right. And so, and don't you feel that that at the without even realizing it truly had control over you? And once you let that go and address it head on, and now you try to revisit it. Okay, let me revisit my hatred today. Let me, and pretty soon you start to revisit it and go, huh, okay, well, it is, <laughs> yep, all right, I guess you're there. And I guess right. you're showing up again. But pretty soon that power and that charge and that energy diminishes to where it, you can like sit in a room with that hatred and go, I could have a conversation with you right now and I, I'm, it's not going to kill me. It's not going to take over my life. It's not going to control me. I can literally sit with this and be okay and say, yeah, that, that was there. And then pretty soon, maybe you get to the point where you're like, eh, I don't even think I'd call it hatred anymore. It, it just starts to evolve and be its own thing when you can get to the place of starting with accepting that it's there to begin with, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and that's the first step is just going, all right, it's there. All right, it's a part of me. All right, I, I, it came up in me. That means I'm capable of having it and experiencing it, just like I'm capable of having and experiencing happiness right. or glee or whatever. Uh, what it does, though, to control you, the, the way it controls you and the way it controlled me was that uh, hatred created fear. Now, it wasn't the hatred that was controlling me, but as a, a secondary thing, it kind of was indirectly controlling me because it was fear. So I w- would be near my stepfather and I would have fear. Right. But it really stemmed from hatred. But I never called it hatred. I just called it, I was afraid. I was afraid of what he might do. And I'm supposed to love him because he's family and he raised me and, you know, he you know, some thought might come into my mind where he did the best he could, but because he was a drinker, I give him that excuse. Right. So all these thoughts come up. So when hatred comes into your mind or anger or anything that makes you feel bad, because everything is resourceful in one way or another, depending on the context and what you turn it into, uh, even anger can be resourceful and used for good. But even hatred, when it comes up, the idea of resisting it causes more negativity inside of you causes you to feel worse right so not only do you not want to hate but not wanting to hate and resisting that hate causes you to feel even more bad about yourself so you you hit it right on the head and that it, it can control you uh, as long as you don't accept it once right. you sit like you said once you sit with it once you accept it yeah i'm capable of, uh, i like to say uh, once you own it 
I'm capable of hating. I own that. Yes, I did hate him or I do hate him or whatever comes to mind. And what that does also is open up more paths of decisions and thoughts and beliefs about the world. And it opens up things that you never considered because you never wanted to grasp that first bad thing, quote, bad thing in the first place. If I, if I accept that I can hate, then I, that's a bad thing. So I don't want to accept it. So that doesn't open up the path to any other options in your life. But once you do accept the bad thing, quote, bad thing uh, of hatred, for example, or anger, then you go, okay, I accept this. What does that mean? And right. You go, now what? Now okay. what? Right. I've accepted that. What does that mean? Right. Well, it means that, and something else might come up. It means that I've hated them for a long time and I wish he hadn't done this and he wish he hadn't done that. And then suddenly you're thinking from a different place, right. allowing those thoughts to come up and it is essentially freeing you as you experience them. Because it's like you're, you're almost re-experiencing the past and it can be traumatic if you do this. So be careful. But when you're re-experiencing it, uh, in the now with thoughts that, yes, it did happen. Yes, I feel this way. Suddenly you're getting lighter. It feels better because it's coming out in tears. Your internal emotion is coming out outwardly expressing verbally and through tears and through whatever your body does. <laughs> and it, it makes you just feel better overall. And it's a systematic process over weeks, months, and years as these things come up. And then don't you also think that when we talk about triggers, and usually the word triggers is associated with, say, PTSD, but mm. these repressed emotions and feelings that we haven't dealt with, when anything or anyone shows up in any shade of that past thing that you've repressed, boom, all of a sudden, this person or that situation is that. And then you start reacting from that place because it hasn't been dealt with or hasn't been healed. And so now here's all kinds of future relationships like yours that wind up going awry because we've so suppressed this thing and haven't dealt with it that now we're forever triggered. And like I said, if there's any shade of that thing, boom, it's there again. Versus if you work through it, anything that shows up that's a shade, it's not a trigger because that thing doesn't, it's not even really there for you anymore. And mm. it's a, just a totally different way of life. I, think mm -hmm. when you look at triggers, right? Or not dealing yeah. with things and what the detriment is uh, of, like I said, anything that you ever face going forward, that's even a, a glimmer of that, you're going to respond from that place. A great example of that is my first, my very first girlfriend when I was, well, my first real girlfriend when I was like 18. And I think she was like 17. And I don't know about the the laws back then. I was going to say, I think we're not going to give away her name. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but you know, we had a good relationship and I remember one night she came back from a work party that she had. She worked at a restaurant, I think. And she's like, Oh, I had, I had some alcohol. And I was like, you did what? There you <laughs> I was go. like offended. Right. And uh, yeah. And she's like, I had some alcohol. It was really good. And I was like, well, I didn't know what to do with that information because I didn't want another alcoholic, right. even though she had one drink. Right. And, and even if she had two drinks or three, it doesn't matter. Once I heard the word alcohol, yep. I'm triggered. I'm going That's back. I'm now you're going to be a raging alcoholic. You're going to become abusive. And all of a sudden, here's 15 different things that are going <laughs> to happen. Obviously, are going to happen because there's no other option, but that all happening, that she's looking yeah. at you going, what in the world's going on? Exactly. It was huge. That was a huge and enlightening moment for me. 
uh, I wasn't enlightened. I was triggered, but it, it really told me that, wow, I don't want, you know, I made a, a new rule in my life. I don't want my future girlfriends to drink. And, you know, that, that along with many, many other things that I started creating standards in my relationships yep. uh, happened. Right. I created a high, impossible to meet standards. Right. In right. my relationships because of my dysfunctional childhood. Right. And everything that I saw in my childhood must be bad, so I don't want it in my adult relationships. Absolutely. But it's interesting because the the flip or the reality with that, I think, is that you're making sure that all these standards are met so that you, in fact, can maintain your belief system and your hatred for your past. Because as long as people operate within these parameters, right, then we're not going to trigger that because I need to make sure, like on a deep subconscious level, that I maintain all that. I want to mm. maintain my hatred. I want to maintain my belief system. I want to maintain all that. So in order for me to maintain this, I need you to operate within these parameters so that you don't trigger that. And then this can just keep going. Really, if you think that through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, great, not that you would want to, to but really, if you stop and think about it, because if any one of those people, you know, dating you were to say, okay, what if though we were to challenge those beliefs, then maybe all these associations and the meaning that you assigned all that, you'd have to actually let go of because the yeah. two can't coexist, right? I can't uh, drink, uh, you know, wine with you uh, because it's going to trigger these things. And maybe the healing here is how about we drink wine together and talk through these, this means that these associations you've made along the way. And, and that's really the healing, but <clears throat> I could talk to you <laughs> literally for hours on end about this. That's and great. as I'm it. looking at the clock thinking, holy cow, we're already out of time, which just is so <laughs> painful for me. It's truly one of my Ouch. most favorite topics. Uh, <laughs> so that said, I know that there are people listening right now to this conversation saying, okay, how can I find out more about Paul and what he's doing? And uh, you've got to check out his podcast for crying out loud. Uh, <laughs> it's really is phenomenal. And the people he's had on his podcast uh, are no chump change either. So uh, you are a very big deal. Let's just be honest. So I <laughs> I would love for you to share, if you would, your podcast, your website, what you're doing, how people can get a hold of you, if they can work with you, what all of those options are. And then uh, this will all be in show notes and typed out. So everything that he says, you can just click on in show notes and go from there. So if you wouldn't mind, Paul, let us know where we can find you. Not at all. I have a personal growth show called The Overwhelmed Brain. And uh, my tagline, it's, it's the personal growth show for the critical thinker, which basically is telling you that I don't talk about the law of vibration and attraction and energy and crystals and things like that. I just bring it down to earth and I give you applicable steps that you can, that you can use right away. And I talk about all kinds of things, but I do have an underlying philosophy of my show, which is helping you honor your boundaries, helping you get alignment with your values. And, uh, you know, I talk about all kinds of things, like even all these stories that we talked about today, I expand upon those getting out of my depression, going through this, what we didn't touch upon with my divorce and how that uh, caused a lot of um, pain, but at the same time growth. And you can reach me at theoverwhelmedbrain.com and uh, I'm happy to connect with you there. You can reach out to me if you'd like and certainly tune in in iTunes, The Overwhelmed Brain. It's it's there for your listening pleasure. <laughs> Perfect. And it really is, by the way. So those will all be in show notes, everybody. And the last two questions that I ask every guest on this show are, and I'm going to frame it around this conversation, which is, 
if someone's listening right now and they are struggling, you know, whether it's, you know, they're in a really bad relationship and they don't know what to do, or one has ended and they, you know, feel this dark cloud that kind of looms over them and their every thought and they're thinking, okay, if I was sitting with him right now and he was only to give me one piece of advice and how to move my life forward in a positive direction, because I don't even know what that first step is, what would be the best piece of advice you were to give that person right now? Mm-hmm. That's a good one. So I would say that whatever fear of consequences you have, get over them and take the step because what's most important is not so much uh, thinking about what might happen if you do something. It's probably what might happen if you don't do something. And what I mean by that is honor yourself first. And when you do that, you show yourself self-love, self-compassion, because if you are being um, accommodating to other people and they are the ones causing you grief, pain, and misery, then it's not going to change until you do. So instead of showing overly compassion, instead of being overly compassionate towards others, start being compassionate towards yourself and start honoring your, what I call emotional core, what's most important to you. Because once you do that, the people that really love and support you and want you to be happy will honor you honoring yourself. And I love this point. It was the, as you were starting in your very first story, the word that I wrote down on the piece of paper, and it came up a few different times in, uh, in what you were saying is authenticity. Yes. Right. And, and when we can get to that place and feel safe and good and okay with truly being our authentic selves, I love it. I, I, it's the one mm-hmm. word that I wrote down under your name is that's what you are to me. And I hope that mm-hmm. that's a, certainly a significant takeaway that everybody has. So final question out of everything you have been through in life, and you have certainly been through your share of ups and downs. Uh, what is one thing that you absolutely believe to be true? Oh, I wasn't expecting that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> what one thing that I absolutely believe to be true? Hmm, that's a good one because my mind is so open to being wrong about everything. <laughs> so I think one thing that I am absolutely that I can absolutely believe to be true is that I will never know everything, and I will never know the real truth until I try it on myself. For example, when uh, any type of anxiety kicks in, I think, well, I could be wrong about what I fear. And if that's the case, then what would happen if I was wrong about what I fear? And then the anxiety, it gives the anxiety a good kick and I can make a different future for myself. I don't have to go into it with fear. So I think one thing, if I was to break this down, is that Uh, I am open to being wrong about everything I believe to be true. I love it. You know, no one has ever even come close to answering that question that way. And I think it's, I think it's brilliant, right? Because always what we have in our head is 10 times worse than what reality is ever going to shake out to be. So I think it's fantastic. And I may take that uh, answer on to be my own. So there you go. (laughs) So (laughs) thank you so much, Paul, for your time. I appreciate this conversation. And truly, I could talk to you for hours on end. 
So same here, same here. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with the audience. Like I said, this is all going to be in show notes and you've got to jump over to his podcast and check it out and his website. There's a ton of information there and he, I know will be insanely helpful in your life. So thank you, my dear, so much for your time. And uh, I look forward to checking out your podcast again real soon. Thank you so much. This is the most fun I've had in an interview. Thank you. I appreciate it. How about that? (laughs) All (laughs) right. Made my day. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening in on this episode of the Game Changers podcast. The next step is to hit the subscribe button to make sure you never miss an episode or any of our incredible guests. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time.